just okay. We have like a little um, second summertime, it seems, here the last couple days. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisdom writer, Solomon, um, uh, writes, and we will draw our attention to the Lord um, as we learn together this morning. Thank you, my brother Eric, for the update that you have given. Um, I, I am absolutely amazed and thrilled with this body with the sacrificial giving, um, with each part, each person understanding uh, the gifts, the skill sets, the strengths, and allowing those to be offered for the Lord. We sang a song a couple minutes ago um, that we are overwhelmed, and all of the attention and focus as far as what the Lord has done and will continue to do through this body is because of the Lord first and foremost. And so he gets all of the glory for that amazing report and for where we are at. And we also know very specifically how we can continue to pray as we move forward, what I call cutting our way into this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in a series, a little bit of a different series. It's a topical series, so it's unique for me, I know. And so I know you feel my pain But it is important for us for where we are at as a local church because we have never been here before. Um, Rescued. Why the church is called to reach the community. First and foremost, um, we need to bow our heads and we need to pray. Um, I think right now of one of our own, our dear brother RJ, is not well. And we need to pray for him as we also commit our time, this time, um, to the Lord this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we do come before you and we realize in your presence, um, we realize, Lord, how um, insufficient, inadequate we are, how finite we are, how limited We thank you, Lord, that we have access to you through the work and in the name and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we come to you as your children. Father, my heart is heavy for my brother, RJ, our brother. God, I would ask that you would minister to his soul and spirit and give him strength and remind him of your presence and your power. Pray for our dear sisters. RJ's wife, Charlotte, that you would just give her sustaining grace. Father, I thank you that um, we are a body that prays for one another and loves one another. And I pray, Lord, that we would demonstrate that. Lord, not just with a handshake and a slap on the back on a Sunday morning, but throughout the course of the week. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be a, a church that that the community looks in and and sees us and sees love for one another as a demonstration, Lord, and a model and example of the love you've given to us. Father, I I just pray right now for these few minutes that we have now before us. And I I just thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that enables us, that equips us, that empowers us, that literally fills us, that is 
here with us. And Father, I would just pray that you would open up our eyes and ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Father, you know um, the strength that I need right now. I just, I just pray, Lord, that everything that is done for these few moments would be for your honor and for your glory. Um, Lord, renew our understanding of the true and the full weight of the gospel. And may you allow us to be experts, not only just in living it out, but in speaking it to others. And how, how desperate we are for your help to do this and to do this well. But may you bless us. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. Last week, I introduced this series and I gave to you a, 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 what I call a, a one-part objective, a two-part command, and a three-part prayer. We talk about there's really one goal that we have established, one thing that we have set. That's the objective we want to make sure that we hit throughout these next couple months. What is that? Let me review. Our one objective is to mobilize the local church, to mobilize the local church to develop meaningful relationships so that we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. To mobilize, I reminded you, it means to prepare and organize for active service. It means to make something movable. We kind of talked about this idea. It's used in a sentence. It says doing yoga to mobilize compacted joints. I have never done yoga my entire life, but I understand athletes, many people do this. Because it frees up and it loosens joints that perhaps have not been used for a while. So as we kind of launch into this series, I want you to be mindful of the fact that perhaps we're going to have to move, we're going to be mobilized as a body to move in a way that we've never been moved before. Think about that. 30 plus years Big Woods Bible Church has existed in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, birthed from a, a, a campus ministry on Lock Haven University. And we like are in our, we're, we're like in our, our, our rut. And at times we have to learn to get out of that, to think perhaps a little differently or uniquely or creatively, not change the message at all, but perhaps move in a way that we've never moved before. We talked about a two-part command. What? This is not going to be evangelism or discipleship. It it doesn't work like that. We don't see that biblically ever anywhere. We have a two-part command here. It's always going to be what? Understand it's evangelism. We are to caruso the the good news of the gospel. We're to proclaim it. We're, We're to tell others, unbelievers in our community. And we're also to build up and to edify the body. That means discipleship. So it's not one or the other. It's both of them. Evangelism and discipleship. So get out of your mind. Like I, I only deal with unbelievers. I only deal with, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We talked about a three-part plan. We've been praying every single day. I had to travel this week. I was down south in Florida to be with my mom and, and dad. And mom is, is not doing real well in her health. And, and I knew that at every single day I was away at 7 o'clock, every single evening, people were gathered here to pray. You realize the faithfulness 
And the power of our prayers. We pray what? For an open door. Please, God, give to us an open door. We talked about that in the book of Colossians. Pray, Lord, that we would have an opportunity to declare. You pray for an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. God will always answer your prayer. We pray specifically that we would have a clear word that when we do declare, we know very specifically and very clearly what we're supposed to say. I was met right up here by someone several weeks ago that that I was talking to, and and he was a young gentleman, a young man, and he said, Pastor, I, I don't know if the body truly understands the message that we are supposed to be sharing. And, and I said, you mean the message of the gospel? He said, yeah, the message of the gospel. He said, I don't believe a lot of people know how to declare, how to speak clearly the full message of the gospel. And at some part, I'm, I'm kind of like, like, really? Like, are you serious? And as I talk to people, I, I, I think he's right. If I were to ask you right now, to, to in two minutes, give the message of the gospel. A lot of people would be like, well, the, the gospel is God, and, and he's a part of it. The gospel is this Bible, and yet it's a part of it. But what is the gospel? How do we communicate that? And that's what I want to do here. I'm not going to be able to hammer it all out in one week, but we have to fully and thoroughly understand the message that we are to be sharing with this community. I directed your attention to the words of as Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, describes him as, and I love this, the preacher. Solomon is the preacher. He is what? He is the king of Israel. He is the son of David. He is known as one whom God has granted and gifted wisdom that is beyond measure from any other human being. He is the author of the book of, of Proverbs. If you spend any time in the book of Proverbs, you'd probably agree that, yeah, there's a little bit of wisdom in that book. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote this book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote the book of Song of Solomon. He's known as the author of wisdom literature. And in all of his wisdom, there's still bits and pieces that he can't fully grasp. He can't fully understand the ways of God. He has been successful. He has been beyond successful in every man-made measurable category. He was wealthy beyond measure. He had everything. And yet there's parts that he couldn't quite wrap his mind around the sovereignty and the depth of who God really was. He writes this. Let me direct your attention to verse 11. But I want to back up a little bit. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 Begin with me in verse 9. It says, what gain has the worker from his toil? What, what gain has the worker from his toil? I, I have seen the, 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 the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Listen to this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And also, he has put eternity into man's Heart, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What is Solomon, the wisdom writer, arguably the wisest man that has ever lived? What is he saying here? God is going to, in his perfect time, make all things beautiful, 
all things perfect. And that he has placed inside of us something called, referred to as eternity, that you exist. Sure, the alarm clock goes off, you hit snooze 18 times in the morning, and you know that what? Your toil is towards something bigger than the paycheck that you get at the end of the week. God has placed eternity that you will exist forever and ever and ever in one of two places. And yet we look around and the first point I have to you, the only point I have to you this morning is asking the question, what is happening? What is happening? I have, as a pastor, a front seat view into people's lives. And, and I have the privilege, and when did I have the privilege of being invited? I cannot think of the number of weddings that we have celebrated with young couples. Arguably, what, the greatest day in a couple's life, and we get invited oftentimes to celebrate and, and to dance and to sing alongside these young couples. And yet I've also had the opportunity, what, of being, what, at the front of a church with a casket and a loved one in that casket. And we, we know at some level that, what, there is hurt around us. And there's two things that when it comes to this hurt, that first and foremost, there are completely circumstances that are out of our control. They're out of our control. Things happen on a daily basis and they are what? They have no control by you or by me. A man just gets a slip and says, you're done working here. That's it. It's over. Wait a minute, he worked here for 21 years and he was a faithful, hardworking, diligent employee and he gets this piece of paper that says, you're done. There's no control. What, like, what happens with that? As a result, there's no more income. It's no control What by them and, and that couple can lose their house. Wait a minute, circumstances that are beyond their control. A young woman who is healthy and exercises and eats right and visits the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, it's terminal. She did everything right. And it's what? Completely out of her control. A young couple, I've stood alongside of them. Whose baby is born. And that baby is dead. There's no balloons that say, it's, it's a girl, it's a boy. Completely out of their control. A child playing, riding bike on the side of the road is hit by a drunk driver. The child did nothing wrong. And yet, yet this is what, these are circumstances that are out of control. We say, well, what, what's happening around us? We also know that there is what there's there's people around us that are out of control. There are literally people who are out of control that a family does lose every penny that they have and loses their home. Why? Because daddy um, has an addiction to gambling and he gambled away his family's savings. People are out of control. 
A student is given a scholarship. A student is given opportunity to learn at a college. The first one in their family. And they what? They refuse to study. And they lose that opportunity. Why? Because they're not in control. Beautiful young girl. What? Out of control loses her virginity at 14 years old. So something's not right with this picture here. A DUI, an arrest, a conviction, it, 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 it saddled and labeled on you forever and ever in addiction. No one plans it like this, but those are circumstances that are in our control and people choose to run amok. That's the world that we live in. If it's not pain enough for each of us to see this, then it can be peril looming for all of us because every day we're greeted with yet one more story that we really don't want to be greeted with. Another terrorist threat, another school shooting, another storm that's forming, an earthquake that is devastated. There's the possibility of an economic turndown, a, a missing child, a nuclear holocaust awaits. And we live in a sense like at any moment that if there's circumstances out of control and people are out of control, that there's something looming for us. And for many, it's distant. We, we, we hear about and we read of someone who loses a son in a car accident in the middle of the night. But for most of us, perhaps it's not touched that close. But at any moment, at any moment, there can be a phone call in the middle of the night, a knock on your door. And because of that, we live with this gnawing. There's a sense inside of us, this inability to settle, an inability to ever be at peace in this world. It seems impossible to really rest. Like we can put our feet up for a moment, but in the back, what? Monday's still coming. And we still don't know what tomorrow holds. So we live in a constant sense of danger and the unknown looms around us. That's what's happening. So we know is what? Well, we, we have to cope with the world that we're living in. And so people are doing amazing things to cope with just a distraction to get away from perhaps the, the looming unknown or that gnawing sense. And so what? People save up and they spend their monies on vacations and weekend getaways. Let's try to escape it all. and just get, Let's just get to the cabin in the woods for a quiet weekend. Let's, let's spend time fishing or just take a long bike ride or a hike. Let's disappear for a while. We hear that term. Let's just, let's just disappear for a while. Let's go on a shopping splurge or a shopping spree or a shopping trip. Let's, let's go out to dinner and have, have dinner in a beautiful restaurant. Let's go to a concert. And during the concert and the bright lights and the loud, there's a distraction from that gnawing sense of what? The, the inevitable. We go to a football game and we love, we love what? The cheers, and we love the adrenaline, and we love the fourth quarter comeback. And you're sitting next to someone in a stadium. He's a complete stranger, and you're high-fiving him and, and fist-bumping him. You don't know who he is. You'll never see him again. He doesn't care about you, but your team's winning. 
And we love those things. And we live for those moments. And the world lives for those moments. And then Monday comes. And Monday comes again. We just grind through it. You worked hard, you studied, you graduated at the top of your class, you landed the job, you launched the career that you really thought. If I really could land this, then I would be satisfied. But in all honesty, every single day you do exactly the same thing, and it's not really all you thought it would be. You, You thought there'd be more. You're in the dressing room and you bought the new outfit. And then you got home, and for some reason, it looked better on you in the store than it does when you got home. It's like totally weird, but that happens all the time. Bought this ugly jacket a little while ago, and now I looked at it, and I'm like, this is just an ugly jacket. I just bought it. It was on sale for $29 at JCPenney clearance. Wendy says, honey, it looks like you're from the 50s. It looked Good for a minute. You purchased the house and now you're living what? Because the mortgage is killing you and your neighbors just put the pool in because you can't afford the pool. And your neighbors got the pool and you thought if you got this house, everything would be fine. You splurged on the big truck that you wanted. You parked it in the parking lot and some guy dings his door right into yours. Or it's making a sound and, and, and you take it back to the dealer and say, yeah, it's, it's making this sound. Like it didn't used to make this sound. I don't know what it is. And that happens all the time. Go to the gym and work out your frustrations and let's lift. And all of a sudden the guy next to you looks, looks better or the girl next to you looks thinner than you do. There's something deep with inside of us. You volunteer. If I can help a good cause. And so you spend a weekend and you like do a little 10K and get the t-shirt. And at the end of that, you realize like the problem still exists. I went around the track like 27 times. And, and in all honesty, the problem isn't solved. You saved up and you went on vacation. You posed at the right time. The sunset was right there. The lighting was wonderful. You posted it on Facebook. And the the people all make comments on the friends who who went parasailing in the Caribbean. And they like what their post more than your post. Bottom line is, if we're not living in constant danger, then we're living with consistent danger. Disappointment with ourselves, with others. And we all come to this idea that we've got to say there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more than life than this. And we probably utter something that sounds like this. Something's got to be broken. There's got to be more to life than this. How, how, did, how, did, how, how did we get here? I want you this morning, I want you to hold on to that feeling. That, that thinking that I, I don't care, every single one of us have felt it. That thinking, okay, does not exist because like you're a negative person. That feeling like something's missing, something's broken, is not because you just struggle with depression or you didn't sleep well or because you're in a bad mood. 
that feeling, that, that, that in a sense, that constant gnawing that says something's not right, something's broken, that feeling is, as I read this week, a God-wrought invention. That God has placed eternity inside of you. And you realize something's broken, but yet you also must remember that God will make all things beautiful in His time. And we rest in that. But rather than doing what the bulk of the world is doing, with that gnawing sense of feeling, don't, don't try to drink it away. Don't try to numb it. Don't try to work harder to keep yourself busy from thinking about it. That is a God-wrought invention. Don't try to just ignore it by binge-watching, okay, dancing with the stars. Because that feeling's going to come back again. God has placed eternity in your souls. Don't try to stop it. Don't try to stomp it out. That fire that is burning inside of you is supposed to be burning inside of you. The reason is this. If you are looking at this world and the things that are in this world and you're saying it's not right, it shouldn't be like this. Let me tell you this. You're completely right. It's not supposed to be like that. You and I have been called and placed into a moment of time unlike any other, unlike any other. We are praying, God, give us an opportunity for doors to open. Please, God, give us opportunities just to speak truth. God, help us to build relationships that mean something for eternity. God, give us what? Give us a word and help us to articulate that word clearly. So when we begin as a church to live out the gospel, we own this ourselves. as you then share that message with others. You realize that, that God has something that the world does not have to offer in unconditional love. That regardless of who you are, regardless of the mistakes you've made, things you've said, the places that you've gone that you should not have gone, the conversations you've had, the, the, the unhealthy, dangerous. God loves you unconditionally. And when you understand that and accept that, we're able to share it with others. I told you that this past week I left on, on Monday morning to travel down to Florida uh, to see my mom, who has not been well, just battling uh, health issues um, ongoing. And, and she always claims about the fact that her Timmy could cheer her up. But in all honesty, I, I, I pulled out the, the bigger card this week, and I traveled um, with my daughter, Sarah, and my grandson, Denson Bogue, who is 11 months old and an absolute furious bundle of fun energy. Now, if you've ever been on a plane with an 11-month-old before, you realize that you can save money 
by holding him in your lap up to two years old. So that's what we did. And I held him in my lap and then passed him to Sarah. And then she passed him back to me. And he found the licorice in my pocket. And we passed him back and forth. And so we just passed time that way. One of the ways that we passed time, we sang Old MacDonald Had a Farm like 27 times in a row and read books. One of, one of the books that, that Sarah read to Denson, I, I took a liking to. It was an amazing little book. It was called I Love You, Stinky Face. And it's an amazing story that, that begins, and, and I've got this down because I've heard this story like 81 times over the past several days. And it begins with a little guy who asked the question, and, 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 and Mama said, I love you, my wonderful child. And the little guy asked the question. He says, but I have a question for you, Mama. And, and he asked the question, what if I were a big, scary ape? And, and Mama says this, I love you, my wonderful child. And, and the little one asks again, but, but I have a question for you. What if I was an alligator with big, sharp teeth? And, and Mama says, but I would still love you, my wonderful child. Yeah, but I have a question for you, Mama. What if I was a meat-eating dinosaur? And she says, what? Mama said, I love you, and I would still love you, my wonderful child. And then he pulled out all the stops and he says, what if I was a super smelly skunk that smelled so bad that people called me stinky face? It says this, mama said, then I'd whisper in your ear. And I would say, I love you, stinky face. Did you realize that it's that simple of a message? When we live in a world where, like, everyone's like, what's happening? Like, what's happening? This can't be right. Something's broken. It's you that comes in and you speak into everyone's life. And you tell them that there's a God who loves Regardless, regardless of the crack addiction, regardless of the battle with same-sex attraction, regardless of the habits and the decisions, regardless of the destruction, regardless of any of that, that we offer a message that God has placed eternity in our hearts, that he will make all things beautiful in his time. And he does that, what, by loving you and I so much, that he gives his own son. That's the message. We have to get this. We have to get this. We've got to get this if we're able to understand it in a way to give it to others. We've been rescued with a purpose to care for those in our community. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience with us. God, help us to be experts in communicating the full weight and truth of the gospel. Thank you for the love you've shown to us. 
so we can love one another and show through our words and actions your love to this whole community. We ask this in Jesus' name.